getting some levels. I'm using a different mic. If you guys know, whenever I speak, I always complain about how small my ears are. And uh, whatever headset I usually use falls off. So today I'm using something a little different, so they're going to adjusting some stuff. So, uh, But you guys ever enjoy any kids' church in here growing up? You had maybe a teacher or, or some sort of, maybe you, and you had those people bless you. Well, make sure you grab a teacher on your way out and just give them a hug because it's a real honor to be able to be serving the, the next generation of men and women of God. I, I know that my kids, whenever they leave class, Reagan will talk all week of what she learned in class, and Judah will agree with everything Reagan says, because Reagan talks so much. It's, it's great. She has the, the gift of communication. Um, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. We're going to open up, uh, turn the Gospel of Luke, the good news according to Luke. We're going to read, we're actually going to read out of, after, out of chapter one today. We're going to read a little bit. Um, you guys appreciate what God's doing today? Isn't that awesome? Um, there's a, a really awesome, uh, His presence is really here. And, you know, it's, um, you know when you can hang out with somebody and you can know their presence and the presence of the person can be the same, but you can do different stuff, right? And I love that we get to come and, and actually abide in him, actually dwell in him. But, you know, when we come together, how many of you guys, like, you can go into your prayer closet and you can experience the presence of God. You can go at work and experience the presence of God. You can, you can be in a storm, you can be in the worst season of your life and still be in the presence of God. And it's awesome that we're able to identify the presence and don't be ashamed to acknowledge what's going on. But it's most important that we acknowledge the presence of who, whose presence we're in. Amen? And so in our fasting and prayer time, you know, fasting and prayer, when we come together, there's it's the same presence, but it's a different environment. There's, you know, we're here this morning. It's the same presence, but it's a different. You can go home and be with your family. It's the same presence, but it's a different environment. And it's really, it's a blessing to be able to articulate that and appreciate that in your day-to-day -day life. Amen? You guys ever eaten something? Like, you've ever eaten a meal and just experienced that euphoric presence of God? Usually chocolate cake or something? Amen? All right, so let's do so. I want you to extend your hand towards the person next to you. Say, God, this person really needs you. I do too, but they really look like they can use it. Amen. Amen. So I don't know if you guys noticed this or knew this, but uh, there was a declaration we had at the end of last year. We were in a uh, fasting and prayer, and it's been, it's been kind of sprinkled as far as the, uh, the message of it here and there, and that is that this year, 2017, is going to be the year of the Holy Spirit. Um, amen? That's, that's some good news, and I want to I expand on that today, and I want to talk a little bit 
uh, in confirmation of that. And that wasn't just a word that we heard here, but this is something that's going on uh, worldwide. And it's really exciting to see the move of the Holy Spirit going on. And one of the reasons why we want to bring this out is because uh, there's so many things that you can focus on that can, that can have you miss the move. It has nothing to do with Him not being in you, but it has to do with you enjoying the presence of the movement. Because I can be in the presence of somebody and be so worried about what else is going on, I don't get to experience the presence of that move, right? So we want to be able to experience the presence of that move in our day-to-day life and realize the word, the rhema spoken declaration in humanity this year. Amen? Yes? You guys want to enjoy that? I'm going to go on a journey this year. If you want to come with me, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to be enjoying the Holy Spirit in a new dimension. You guys know that your relationship with the Lord has different glories or dimensions. And you you appreciate the dimension of He brought you through, but now it's a different, deeper dimension. Amen? You guys remember the, the honeymoon state with your relationship? And everything's new, and it's like, oh man, and you just think. And I think there's a wrong stigma that the older you get, the, you know, you, oh, I get to know a person, and da 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 da. If, if you've really known a person who got through those hard times, they will tell you, it just gets better. It gets better. It gets better. Man, the, the more I know them, the more I love them. And if you're not in that place, trust me, it's there. <laughs> you keep going. <laughs> Amen salvation is there for those who endure till the end. So we're going to read uh, Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses one, uh, chapter, chapter 1, verses 5. We're going to read quite a bit. And this is a story of John the Baptist's parents. How many of you guys remember that story? Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. Okay, so let's, uh, let's read this. This is going to start reading in verse 5. Actually, before I get going, let me just pray. Father, I just thank you for this morning. and I thank you for your presence. Lord, your water that washes us, but your fire, God, that just burns us away. Lord, I thank you for the fire of God. Thank you for the baptism of fire. You would baptize us with fire. Lord, for so long we were cleansed with the, uh, the water, but... You come and you baptize us with fire. And we just, Lord, we just soak in that fire, that fire of God this morning. Amen. I want to just thank whoever's going to bring me a cup of water today. just want to thank you in advance. Speak that into existence. Oh, my wife. Wow, what a blessing. I, for, I forgot to get one. All right, so we're going to read here Luke chapter 1, verses 5. Through wherever I start. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Everybody say Zacharias. Zacharias. Of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron. You guys remember Aaron? He was the high priest. He was the the brother of Moses. You guys remember Aaron? Yes? Okay, good. Thank you. And her name was Elizabeth. Everyone say Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Let's all, let's all read that together. This, I just have the New King James Version. It says, let's, let's read verse 6. 
And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. All right, verse 7. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So if you go into the temple of the Lord, if you see the chamber that they're talking about here, um, the way it's laid out is they have a long room, and on if you walk into the room, it's deep. On the left side, you have that seven-fingered candle that you see everywhere, or is it nine? It's, and then you have, in front of that, you have this table of incense. Then you have that massive curtain. And then behind that, uh, the entry was on the left. The, the tabernacle was behind the curtain. All right? So it was his lot, it was his, it was his chore to go in and burn incense at that table that was right in front of the massive curtain. Thank you, Harold. It's not my wife. We're not that kind of church. But Harold is beautiful in his, in his own way. So you have this, you have the table that you burned incense on, then you have the curtain, then you have on the left side was the where, where you would go into the Holy of Holies. So here is... Zacharias, and he goes, up to the, he goes up to the table. And it says, verse 10, And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So everyone out is outside praying. And he's inside this room all by himself. And it says, And the angel of the, angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Okay, everyone say right side. So you guys, you guys get the picture? So, dude's burning incense. Then Holy Spirit beams up Gabriel. All right, Star Trek, right there. That's what I see. I see, you know, that's what I got. And so here's Gabriel who appears. It says the angel of the Lord. It said, when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fell upon him. Fear fell upon him. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. It says, And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even at his mother's womb. That's pretty cool. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to their God. He will also go before him, speaking of Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts, this is a quote, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. This is a quote of Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. 
And Zacharias said to the angel, How should I know this? How can I know this? Like, I don't, man, how much do you need, man? The angel beams out of nowhere right in front of you. You're in the room all by yourself. Fear comes upon you, and you don't get it. And you still don't get it. If Jesus, sometimes, like, if Jesus were to stand right before us and tell us our destiny, we still would go, I don't really know. That's crazy. Verse 18, And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel said, answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. Stands in the presence of God. Where's Zacharias standing? Sometimes you've got to know where you're standing to know what your grace to do. That's a good word. I brought my own encouragement. You don't have to. I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Everybody say, in their own time. That's good. And the people raided for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. Sometimes we just need to wait a little bit longer. Sometimes we need to just be okay with awkward waiting. It's, it's not unpolite. It's, not, it's, it's okay. Actually, it shows how much you care about what he wants to do in your life. You uh, see, you can try to rush the Holy Spirit, but he will never rush you. He's patient. And I think it isn't until we actually start to mirror that patience do we actually receive the heart that he wants us to have for the mission we're called to accomplish. Amen? Said, but when he came out, he couldn't speak. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he, they beckoned, he beckoned to them and, and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service was complete, he departed and went back to his house. All right, I'm going to stop right there. I want to just go over a few things. You guys okay? Here's the cool thing about this story is, is, is uh, uh, there's the, the movement of the Holy Spirit that's coming. It, it comes in different waves. It can come in different shapes. It can come in different manifestations, but the Spirit is all the same. The Spirit is very familiar. And one thing that's hard, can be hard to do, is to distinguish a move based on a past experience. Because you end up thinking that God is going to move the way I knew He moved. As a matter of fact, Bill Johnson and Bethel said the people who have the hardest time. Entering in the next move of God are ones that were engaged in previous revivals. 
when you, when you know how God moves, and He actually wants to move differently in the next generation, you can actually call it, you can actually uh, say this is not of God when it is the very thing that God is moving in, that God has His hand on. And when I, when I look at Zacharias, in verse 6, it says this. It says, Zacharias was blameless. He was blameless and he was walking in obedience and the commandments, the ordinances of God. See, it, it's totally possible to be walking in the ordinances of God, in the commandments that were given to you, be blameless, and still have disbelief. It's possible. It's possible. I'm not saying that's the culture we cultivate. I'm just saying it's possible that you get so embedded in your own reality that all you're doing is obeying what you know to be the right thing to do. But when the Spirit of the Lord comes on the scene and says, I'm going to make something new in you that's going to be impossible, you could still say, God, I don't see, I don't, I don't know how you're going to do this. How can this be? This is the weird thing. In verse 13, it says this. It says that this was actually the thing that was on Zacharias' heart. See, that bug, that's weird to me that here is the angel of the Lord that peers to Zacharias and he says, hey, you know what? The Lord has heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers and he's going to give it to you. He's going to give you a son. The thing that you have been praying for and interceding for and thought that was impossible He's going to give it to you. You could still say, I don't know how you're going to do this. At what point does one get to where the vault of heaven is open towards you and you still have no idea or are uncomfortable with just the, God, I don't care, man. Just do it. Just give it to me. I will take it. I don't care what form it's in. I just want the promise. I want your presence. Amen. The cool thing about this is, is not only was it the desire on Zacharias' heart, it was also the desire on the Lord's, in the Lord's will. See, Zacharias wanted a son, and God wanted a mouthpiece. See, I, I think when it talks about delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. So when God gives you the desires of your heart, is your mind ready to articulate and follow through with the desires that He is giving you? Are, is the mind in a renewed state to cultivate the atmosphere to keep the thing that on your, is on your heart growing? Is the soil, the, is the environment that you right now are living in, is it ready for the seed? Is it ready for the promise? Is it ready for the thing you want? 
the thing you really want. Amen? And this is verse 18. This, this gets me. And, it's, and Zechariah said to the angel, how, how can this be? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Disbelief is, is usually tied to reasoning. It's Now, as adults, as adults, we pride ourselves in reasoning. Isn't that crazy that the thing that so many seek after is the one thing it feels like God tries to get out of us? He wants to keep the impossible so close and within grasp. It's possible to be blameless and still walk in disbelief to God's promise. It, but the good thing is this. Get ready. Disbelief does not stop God's promise. It didn't stop John from being conceived. Don't worry about that. Because see, it's God's promise. He's going to take care of it. What you do by disbelief is all you're doing is you miss out on the enjoyment of the process. Because it's his work. It's his work. Have you guys ever had an assignment from your, from your boss that you hated, but you still did it? And other people on the job were like, what's your deal? Come on. You're like, I hate this. I hate doing this. Well, it doesn't stop the fact that it's going to get done. It just stops the fact that you're going to enjoy it or not. So why not live life and maybe even live it more abundantly? Amen? Why did the angel... Why did the angel silence? Why did the angel make him mute? You ever think about that? I, I think about that. I think about, I think about what that did to this man who had this encounter. Okay, he, he didn't know how it was going to come about. He didn't know. And it was that, it, it almost feels like it was that lack of faith that caused that lack of faith caused him to be quiet because evidently what he knew was preventing him from living in the level of faith that God had wanted him to it just it kept him quiet sometimes you know if we're in a season where we just feel quiet we feel like what's going on I want to I want to gently put out there that bring it to the Holy Spirit. Bring it to the Father. Bring it to Jesus. Say, God, I really need to know, is there stuff that I have experienced that has created unbelief in me that I don't know is there? Like, maybe you just, maybe you, maybe you went through something and you said, and when, after you went through that situation, it was maybe, usually it's negative. You go through something and you start to draw conclusions that's not a part of what he's trying to cre create in you. So just say, Holy Spirit, is there stuff in me, is there an experience that I learned a wrong lesson from that I need to unlearn so you could reteach me? So I think that Zacharias was getting retaught just the impossible things that God is making possible. Amen? Awesome. Why would Zacharias, why would he contradict the very thing that the angel revealed to be in his heart? 
Why would it's too good to be true be an expectation or reality in a believer? Is it too, it's too good to be true. I think too good to be true needs to be what we live in. The gospel is too good. It's too good. It's so good that it is true. See, when we are like, when we, when we say, I'll just say, you cannot out-exaggerate God's goodness. I dare you. You can think the most exaggerated thought of God's goodness, and he will still surpass it. You are not that good that you can outdo his goodness. Well, God would never do that. I, I wouldn't go that far. God's goodness is outsurpassing our imagination. The cool thing about it is every time we allow him to challenge it, he blows our mind, he raises the level of expectation, and then the things that are holding us back let go, and we actually are able finally to step into that level of goodness. And then there's another step, and then there's another step. And this mind-blowing experience, I... I I, I love being led in the Holy Spirit when he says, hey, I got better stuff than what you're allowing me to. I'm like, okay, well, what is it? And then boom, man, that, that thing happens in your life that just reveals a new dimension of the goodness that he wants you to walk in. Amen? I'm almost done. I, I promise you. Our belief, our belief starts with Jesus. The reality of our, the impossibleness that we live in, it starts with our Savior. I want you to think about the impossible things, the things that you just say, this is just the way it is. The things that make you, I, I don't care where that roadblock is, it, it, it's just, it feels like a wall. It can be, it can be a relationship. It, it can be your education. It can be your kids. It can be, it, it could be whatever. You think about that wall, and I want you to go back that Jesus is the source of the possible in our life. He makes that impossible possible. See, with Jesus, an inconceivably conceived child happened. Jesus himself, it was an impossible thing for him to be born and yet he was born. See, it was impossible for in that culture for young men to sit in the council, a 12-year-old boy, and teach men who had studied the scriptures all their life, and yet he was schooling them because he had the revelation of how good God was. Amen? See, it was Jesus who submitted to ministries that actually, that were inferior to him. Do you guys remember when Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist? And John was like, look, I, you need to dunk me, dunk me here because there's no way I should be dunking you. You're greater than I am. And here Jesus says, look, this is to fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to baptize you, or you're going to baptize me. And Jesus submitted himself. That's amazing. In that culture, that was like, that was a, that was blasphemous, all right? 
He defined life and he defied death. Everything about Jesus, everything he did, that people, it seems so impossible, but yet at the same time, that's the, sta- that's, that's the foundation, y'all. Jesus is not something we are supposed to attain. That is our starting line. And you know what? God put you at the starting line. You could never get to the starting line. The way we used to think, that we could never get to a finish line of the starting line. But it was God who translated you and said, look, this is Jesus. Here you go. And everything that heaven had to give is a part of everything we are day to day. Amen? Amen. So you guys know, we talk about the year of the Holy Spirit. You guys know what the ministry of the uh, Holy Spirit is. Ministry of the Holy Spirit? It's the ministry of reconciliation. You guys ever reconciled a checkbook? I know you teenagers have never reconciled a checkbook. For those of you who keep the practice, it's I'm very proud of you because we have apps that do that now. But, but for the most part, if you guys lived in that season where you would you know, take out your checkbook, you write a check, and in the back you would you know, fill everything out and keep a log. It's pretty cool. I did it for like a month, and then I probably lost my checkbook, you know. Um, but I remember growing up when you had to reconcile things. And, you know, when we reconcile, something's being brought together, but I want you to think of it as a revaluing of something. Because sometimes the cool thing about reconciliation and things that are overvalued are revalued. And the things that are undervalued are revalued. See, when Jesus came, people who thought they were all that, he, he brought them down where they needed to be. But the people who thought they weren't amounted, they would never amount to anything and had nothing to offer, he brought them up. And he reconciled. He reconciled people. He, re, he reinitiated what they were worth. Amen? That's good. You remember Paul says, don't, any, don't anyone think too highly of themselves. Remember that? Because here's what I love about that. See, in the culture of, of honor, it's a natural thing to just take what is, man, I could do anything. And it's easy when you understand and you start moving out in the Spirit of God, it's possible where you start to go, wow, I'm, this is pretty cool. And that valuation that God puts in you, it's possible where you go, you, you can take it too far, and you can start to think, man, I'm all that. I'm, I'm pretty cool. And God's like, just, hey, man, keep doing that. I'll, okay, I'll humble you. I have no problem humbling you. But I just don't, I, what he has a hard time, not a hard time doing, but we have the process of bringing people up. So a lot of times in ministry, we can get so hurt, we get so burnt out, and we can get so, you know, oh, this person did this, and then we're, we're trying to articulate the value, and it can get so confusing, but Jesus, he, he understands our value. Amen? He knows where we are at. He knows. As a matter of fact, you want to know how valuable you are? You're so valuable, he died. You're so valuable. How many of you guys know what determines the price of something? If I have a product, 
if I have a product and I'm going to sell it to you, I don't get to determine how much you're going to pay. You determine how much I'm going to sell it for. I can, I can take this bottle of water and I'd say, I'm going to sell this to you for $500. Because you know how long it took me to make this water bottle mold and to filter this water? You know how much work this takes? But you know what? If you're not going to buy it, I'm not going to sell it. Did you know what the Father was willing to pay for you? He was willing to give his best to revalue your value. That's how valuable you are. God didn't send a sinner to save a sinner. He sent perfection to revalue what has always been perfect. Amen? Here we go. You guys want to hear some cool things that happened just recently? You guys want to hear? Uh, I, I saved my communion cup. For this, I told Harold to put it down here. How many of you guys, um, you guys know that oh, uh, there's a ton of churches in our area? Like even places that you don't think could be churches are churches. And like you see some sign, it's like we meet here Sundays. You're like, what in the world? You know, it's it's pretty cool. I, I, that's 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 a neat thing. So it's easy. Um, to get lost in what's going on in the body of Christ because so much is going on. And one thing that we do is we want to see what is being made available to the body of Christ because heaven's open and we just go and we see, hey God, what's available for your people? What are you gracing people with? And um, there has been some really radical transformations happening in some very important places in the body of Christ. How many of you guys know what when Jesus and the apostles, there was the early church, but do you guys know what came after the early church? You know, do you know what church came out of the early church? A lot of you came from that background. And I'll just say it. Um, what came out of the early church was Catholicism. How many of you guys how many of you guys are familiar with Catholicism. You guys, how many of you guys are from a Catholic background? It's really awesome. So I just want to tell you some of the cool things that have been going on with our family with the Catholics. Um, and I just read this this last week, and I was, I was so excited. But God has been moving on the heart of the uh, Catholic leadership. And I don't know if you guys keep up with anything going on with the papacy or the Pope, but this guy is... This guy does not do things like the norm. I mean, he's, he's breaking some major molds. One thing that he has done, this last, this, uh, I'll, I'll read this story. This is from uh, uh, Walter Casper. The story of this is Pope, Pope, listen to this. Pope recognizes Martin Luther as a witness to the gospel. As a witness to the gospel. Now, this is huge, because I don't know if you guys know anything about church history, but you guys understand Martin Luther, and there was the split, there was the Reformation, then you have Lutherans, and then you have Episcopals, you have Presbyterians, you have Baptists, and non-denominate, and then you have all these, it just keeps going, right? 
And then you have this verse. I see this verse that says, in the last days I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. But for the longest time, it was a, it was a, from my, uh, from my limited experience, it was always the Catholics that were saying, come home, come back. You guys are in error, come back, right? This is interesting. This is out of Rome. This is January 5th, LifeSite News. A newly released document from the Vatican's Pontifical Council for, Christ for Christian Unity promotes the upcoming January Week of Prayer for Christian Unity with the theme, Reconciliation, the Love of Christ Compels Us. Listen to this. Encouraging commemorations in all dioceses of the world. The Pontifical Council notes the theme is drawn from the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. In 2017, it says the Lutheran and Catholic Christians will for the first time commemorate together the beginning of the Reformation. That's huge, you guys. The text also states that Catholics are now able to hear Luther's challenge for the church of today, recognizing him as a witness to the gospel. You guys, this is a move of the Holy Spirit on fathers. That it says the hearts of the fathers would be turned to the children. Then the hearts of the children to the fathers. There is a work of restoration going on in the body. He's restoring the body. Amen? Christ is the head for the body. Listen to this. Now, this is a little older story. This was in 20, 2015. I don't, some of you guys might not notice this. This is another uh, uh, part of our... We, I don't, if you call yourself a believer, you're family. We call you family. I don't care your background. I, I just, I love family. Amen? I love it. It's good. You, you know, I don't know any brothers or sisters that totally agree on anything anyway. So I'm just going to grab on that and say, you're my family. You are my family. We, we don't have to agree. Actually, you don't even have to agree to be family. Well, serious, uh, think about it. Like, I didn't, it's like, hey, Jared, do you agree with me on stuff? Yeah, okay. Dad, we agree, so you're our father. That's crazy. That's just crazy talk. But it isn't your belief that it isn't your belief that makes you a son or a daughter. It's your father that makes you a son or a daughter. He's the one who starts you. He's the one who completes you. Amen. Check this out. Now this is cool. This has to do with the Holy Spirit and the ministry. Uh, one of one of his attributes. How many of you guys know the fruits of the Spirit? How many of you guys know the gifts of the Spirit? There's a gift. Amen. So this is cool. This is actually a Southern Baptist Convention. You guys familiar with the Southern Baptist Convention? We are in the South. A lot of people came from Baptists. It's great. They, they love the Lord. Some of the most amazing missionaries come out of the Baptist ministry. It's really amazing. They, both the Catholicism and Baptists are absolutely amazing people. Uh, love the Lord. It says, after a decade-long resistance, listen to this. After a decade-long resistance, 
This is from Charisma Magazine. The Southern Baptist Convention will admit missionary candidates who speak in tongues, a practice associated with Pentecostal and charismatic churches. The new policy approved by the denomination's International Mission Board on Wednesday, this was back in 2015, reverses a policy that was put in place 10 years ago. Speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues is an ancient Christian practice recorded in the New Testament in which people pray in a language they do not know, understand, or control. The practice died out until Pentecostalism emerged around the turn of the 20th century. In Pentecostal churches, it is considered one of the many gifts of the Holy Spirit, including healing and the ability to prophesy. Allowing Southern Baptist missionaries to speak in tongues or have what some leaders call a private prayer language speaks to the growing strengths of the Pentecostal churches in Africa, Asia, and South America, um, where actually the, the Southern Baptists are, they, they were, uh, the move, this move of tongues was being so pronounced. It was being so used to reach people and people will, were actually, their hearts were turning to the Lord. They said, look, we just can't go on without this. We need this. That's pretty awesome. Now, listen, this is not taking place in the world. This is taking place in the church. You guys know that when, when we change our minds, it's called repentance. Metaneo means to change one's mind. God is working on the body of Christ. Amen. He's working on the body of Christ. He's changing the way we think. And there's going to be a new reality in church. There's going to be a new... There's going to be a new... Same spirit, same environment, but what's going to be articulated, you're going to see some, some pretty awesome fruits come out of the move of God. Uh, so anyway, that's part of what we're embarking on. If you guys want to grab some of this baptism, you need to come on Wednesday because the Holy Spirit's going to be imparting some awesome Holy Spirit fire. Brother James is going to be sharing on Wednesday. I want you guys to... Uh, hang out for that on Wednesday and uh, get uh, immersion in the Holy Spirit. You guys know baptism means to be immersed, right? I want, I, have you guys know the Holy Spirit wants to immerse you in the Holy Spirit? He wants to immerse you in Him. Amen? You guys looking at me like I'm, I'm ready. Okay, so let's stand. All right, and let's... Um, why don't we do this? Why don't we actually, uh, let's actually look towards the door. I want us to look out there. Let's look out there because that is your mission. This is an equipping, but out there is actually where the Christ in you becomes the hope of glory in, in people who don't know. And they need you. Outside, that, outside those doors are waiting people who are hurting. They have, their hope is dwindling or it's fading. And they need a proper representation of who God is. I want to say, that is me. Father, I just thank you for the commission of the Holy Spirit to go into all the world 
making people who are learning who Jesus is. You've made us disciples. Lord, we love you, and we are ready for whatever it is you bring before us. We are excited for the journey you have for us this year, and we will go into all the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'd love to open up for prayer if anybody wants prayer for anything. You guys have a good day.